Our scripture lesson this morning is a brief one. Maybe I should have left you standing for this. I received now the word of the Lord from Psalm chapter 150, verses 1 through 6. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with clanging cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. Well, through the month of August, we have been talking about the Psalms, particularly the Psalms as our guide to prayer through an era of weariness. So it seems to be what we're in right now, an era of weariness. If it's not just dealing with the resurgence of the COVID pandemic, it's also just being concerned about hurricane season and the impacts it has when we're still recovering from last year, whenever some people are still recovering from the year before that and the year before that. If it's not one thing, it's another, and it's, well, quite frankly, exhausting. And so in an era of weariness, we turn to what I believe is the most cliche advice that I could ever give anybody. Prayer. And yes, there are times whenever I've been thinking through this series and I wanted so badly to be able to say any other word of advice other than that, but prayer seems to be the thing that we need most right now. But a different kind of prayer than perhaps we are used to, a kind of prayer that turns our attention perhaps away from ourselves and onto God. A type of prayer that doesn't seek to change God's mind, but seeks for God to change ours. It's a kind of prayer that the Psalms guide us through. The Psalms are this beautiful resource, 150 chapters, of prayers from the heart of people just like us crying out to God in their various seasons of life. And so the first week we started talking about the Psalms as a guide to prayer and what it looks like to be led by the Psalms into prayer. You might have noticed that every single week that we have been going through this series, both our greeting and our opening prayer have been based on a Psalm. And just as an example of seeing how a psalm can be put into, into our own words to call out to God. And then the second week, we started looking at uh, Walter Brueggemann, who is an Old Testament scholar, very well known, who, who takes the psalms and categorizes them into three different formats. Psalms of orientation. These are psalms that are used by the psalmist whenever things are just going well. Life is good. These are the kind of psalms that give us a direction and just say, you know what? We know our, which way we are facing. We know which way we are going. These psalms guide us as our orientation. But we also know that orientation like that doesn't last forever. There are moments of true heartbreak in our world, moments of true confusion, moments of weariness. And for these, we turn to what Walter Brueggemann calls psalms of disorientation. Disorientation being when our direction has been lost, when we feel lost. And these psalms allow us to cry out with our heart's deepest groans 
to God and remind us that God is capable of beholding all of our emotions, not just the happy ones, but even the most heartfelt, distraught ones. But the beautiful part about these seasons is that we never stay in one place. At least that's the hope, we never stay in one place. And so Walter Brueggemann gives the third type of psalm, which is psalms of reorientation. Whenever we may have lost our way, but we're able to look and see the intervening work of God, reorienting us, giving us a new direction and new life and calling us on to something bigger and better than where we were before. That's one of the things we've been doing with our ministry teams is seeking to, to live into this new direction despite everything else that's been going on around us. And then we turn today to psalms as praise. Because you see, these seasons that we go through in our lives are all directing us toward one thing, praising God. And this might seem a little bit jarring, especially if you're in a moment of disorientation. Praising God doesn't feel like the easiest thing. It also might not feel like the most logical thing, but the psalms give us this kind of direction. We look back, and the first week we talked about the, the entirety of the book of Psalms is broken up into five smaller books. And each of these five smaller books all end in a doxology. And you might know that word uh, from our order of worship. We sing a doxology every Sunday, right? A doxology is a, it's, that's a, comes from a, the Greek word doxa logica, which means a word of celebration or a word of a praise. Uh, and each of the books of Psalms end in a doxology, in a word of praise, all the way up through the fifth book, which is the end of the Psalms altogether, which end in five doxologies. Psalm 146 to 150 is just praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let's keep going, praise the Lord. This is what the Psalms are directed toward, this praise. The, when we get to uh, Psalm 150, which we've read uh, today, we see that it, these psalms are not like any of the others. There's no argument. There's no teaching, really. There's no explanation. There's no exposition. It's just praise the Lord. An eloquent, passionate cry for all of creation to give praise to Yahweh. The, the book of Psalms are giving us this direction to conclude in praise. Anybody ever heard the word hallelujah before? Show of hands, maybe? Yeah, a couple people heard the word hallelujah. Yeah! <laughs> um, in some translations, perhaps your translation of the Bible, you'll note that uh, Psalm 50, along with these other doxology psalms, the word there isn't just praise the Lord, it's hallelujah! which is a Hebrew word that means praise the Lord. How about that? Interesting. <laughs> That's hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Halal is the Hebrew word for praise, and yah is the first syllable of the, uh, of the sacred name of God, Yahweh, which is uh, understood in the Jewish culture to be said as a breath. And so uh, we have this notion of hallelujah, praise the Lord. This is what the Psalms are guiding us to each step of the way. But we need to understand why praise. Why is praise where we're going? Why not something else? Why not some other connection with God? 
Why not some other way of interacting with God? Well, we look at Psalm 150, and it kind of gives us two explanations. The first comes in verse 2, which says, it has the for, or the, the because expression. Verse 2, praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his surpassing greatness. In other words, Psalm 150 is reminding us that we praise God because God is for us. God is working for us, loving on us, never far from us. God's mighty deeds are for us. God's great love is for us. God's unsurpassing greatness is for us. And so Psalm 150 is calling our attention to who God is, the very character of God, asking us to consider that we should praise God because that is, just has to be our natural inclination when we're seeking to connect to God. The second reason comes in verse 6. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Let everything that breathes, or let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. In other words, verse 6 is reminding us here that we praise God because we have breath. And, and that, in, on, in one sense, can mean that we praise God just because we are alive. God has granted us another day. But the Hebrew word here for breath is also the same word that gets translated as soul, sometimes spirit, this concept of our very existence. So whenever the psalmist is writing, let everything that breathes praise the Lord, the psalmist, what the psalmist is saying is, let every living entity praise the Lord because that entity is alive, because that entity has breath and soul because of God. But we were reminded that this breath, this soul, has a very intimate connection with God. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and then all the things happened, and suddenly uh, God puts together human beings and forms this, this individual from the dust, what happens in order for that individual whom we come to call Adam, in order for that individual to live? Anybody remember? Yes, yes, God breathes breath of life into that individual, into Adam, and then suddenly the individual's alive, and, it has, and, and he has life because of God. So this word breath here, it takes on an even more intimate connection, reminding us that it is because of God that we are alive, and it is God's very life force that sustains us. Right. So, so in other words, we have this notion of praise the Lord because it directly links us to the one, the only one, who can attend to and satisfy all of our human experiences, whether we're oriented, disoriented, or reoriented. The one who has done great things on our behalf in each of those seasons, as we recognize that, we are called to praise but here's one thing, one more thing that I want us to note about this notion of praise. It's beautiful. Oh, it's so exciting. Are you ready for this? The word praise 
that we have uh, presented before us, like way too many times in Psalm 150 and throughout the Psalms, is from the word halal, which most frequently gets translated as praise or boastfulness. But another really interesting translation comes from a deeper concept. You ready for this? Halal means foolishness. Let that sink in. Foolishness. That is what we are being called to here in Psalm 150. To foolishness. Oh, it's so good. In fact, uh, if, if you don't believe me, take an example from King David, okay? 2 Samuel chapter 6 has this really fascinating story. David has sent out this uh, group of people to go and retrieve the Ark of the Covenant. This is the thing that, uh, that Moses and then Joshua, they were instructed to build and carry with them everywhere that had the presence of God along with the Ten Commandments and Aaron's staff and a couple of other holy objects. And, and, but this was the moving presence of God with the Israelites. And David sends out a team to recover the Ark of the Covenant and bring it into Jerusalem. And as they are bringing it in, what does David do? He strips naked and starts dancing in the street. Like, it, it's, it's such a crazy act that, uh, that McCall, who is the uh, daughter of Saul, the king before David, sees David and is, like, ashamed and embarrassed by what he's doing. And she confronts him and says, are you insane? You can't do this. No king should act this way. And David responds by saying, I'm dancing before the Lord. This is my praise. And he says, I, depending on your translation, I will become even more undignified than this before the Lord. Oh, how beautiful. Foolishness. Now that is what we are called to. In fact, there, there's such a, a fun uh, connection here. One of my favorite songs growing up was a song by Matt Redman. Uh, and he writes this song called Undignified, and it's based off of this passage in 2 Samuel, verse 6. And you know what? I'm going to do something a little undignified, and also something I've never tried before. I'm going to see if I can play guitar in a robe. This is going to be embarrassing. But I want you to hear this song, all right? It's very simple. It's very short. Boom, here we go. <clears throat> You ready for this? All right. <laughs> I will dance, I will sing to be mad for my king. Nothing, Lord, is hindering this passion in my soul. I will dance, I will sing to be mad for my king. Nothing, Lord, is hindering this passion in my soul. And I'll become even more undignified than this. Some will say it's foolishness, but I'll become even more undignified than this. Na-na-na-na-na-na! Hey! I will dance, I will sing to be mad for my king. Nothing, Lord, is hindering this passion in my soul. I will dance, I will sing to be mad for my king. Nothing, Lord, is hindering this passion in my soul. And I'll become even more undignified than this 
Some will say it's foolishness, but I'll become even more undignified than this. Nah, 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 nah. Hey! Post myself right here and not move anymore since apparently I ruined something. Yikes. But if you didn't catch the words because of my atrocious singing, the, uh, Matt Redman says, I will dance, I will sing, to be mad for my king. Nothing, Lord, is hindering this passion in my soul. And I'll become even more undignified than this. Some will say it's foolishness, but I'll become even more undignified than this. You see, what the psalmist needs us to understand is that God doesn't care about the pomp and circumstance. God cares about authenticity. God doesn't care about all the prim and properness that we think we should put in worship. God just cares about the worship. God isn't looking for the staged family photo. God cares about the candid craziness of our lives. The Psalms remind us that God cares about our hearts more than our appearances. That God cares about our praise, even if it looks foolish to the rest of the world. And so my challenge to us today is a very simple one. It's just to take Psalm 150 very seriously. Praise the Lord. That's my challenge for us. As we go through an era of weariness, praise the Lord. Even if it looks foolish, praise the Lord. If we can glean anything from the Psalms and what it means to utilize them as a guide to prayer, it is that our prayers through every season of life call us to realize who God is. As you may recall, our prayers are not meant to change God's mind. Rather, they are meant to change us. And they are meant to change us by revealing the nature of God to us, the nature of God through all of the seasons that we experience. And when we begin to see God as God truly is, then our only possible response is praise. Even reckless, foolish, undignified praise. So let us praise the Lord and let us pray.